Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Playoff time is here. How about it? We're kicking it off this week. Regular season is now over, which means everybody is debating all NBA teams, all defensive teams, and all that jazz. But keeping it in 94, we're going we're gonna to keep it right on the playoffs, right on the postseason. It's starting on Tuesday. While we're recording this, by the way, on a Tuesday afternoon, on Tuesday night, it's going to be Nets, Cavs, Wolves, Clippers. Start off the playing tournament. And then Wednesday, we're going to have Hawks, Hornets, and Pelicans, Spurs. And then Friday, we're going to know who everybody is going to be matched up against because the loser of the 7 8 is going to meet the winner of the 9 10 in both conferences. And then we'll be all set for every single series in the NBA. Very, very exciting times. What's up, guys? Spencer Davies and Brian Fritz. Another episode of Keep It at 94 brought to you by, of course, the BasketballNews.com podcast network. It's fun times. Fun times ahead here. I'm not talking too much offseason. I know we got to get into some certain exit interviews and some things that were said by a number of superstars. That'll be pretty fun to get into. But we are going to keep it light here postseason on the floor, basketball, all that good stuff. And before we get going, don't forget, guys, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com is Ticket Smarter. Looking to go to the hottest sports, concerts, theater, and family shows near you? Get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter. Once again, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. And what show would you want to go to the most? between these four play-in games. What do you think would be the best one to go to? And while we ask you that, let's get into the actual previews. It's about time we finally have some playoff basketball. How long have we been waiting for this? Come on. I know. It's I know, and and it's like here. It's already mid-April. You know, the Masters is over. We just had the WNBA draft last night. That's pretty awesome. It's your favorite time of the year. It's award season. (laughs) it's funny we were having a spirited debate because on basketballnews.com live if you look on our website jackson frank nikaias duncan and mark schindler they all collaborated and they put together their all nba teams and we know that there's debate surrounding everybody and the eligibility and what certain centers might not be considered forwards and what certain forwards might not be considered guards 
So make sure to tap into that. It was a doozy, but it was very, very thorough and very, very well done. Film breakdown-like atmosphere in that article. So check that out. But that's exactly what Brian's talking about because we had a spirited little debate coming into the podcast, and we're not going to get into this on here because we'll literally talk for like three hours. Um, But it was around Joel Embiid and Nicole Jokic being eligible uh, to both make it, even though they're both centers. And then, obviously, um, Mr. Jason Tatum being eligible as a guard, even though he's played most of his minutes and probably all of his minutes at small forward and power forward. So It will be interesting to see how the all-NBA teams end up working out and how voters approach it because some will go the more traditional route of saying, I'm not going to put somebody in a position they didn't really play this year. And there's going to be others that say, yeah, I need to move position for a player because they deserve to be on a first team or a second team. And, you know, we'll see how it all squares out and have that debate then and and see where everybody ends up. What we do know is that all five of those guys that they chose on their first team are going to be involved in the playoffs. And like I said, postseason play and stuff getting kicked off. So because the shelf life of this conversation isn't going to last very long for the first two games... Uh, I did want to briefly get into those. Um, you have Nets, Cavs, and Wolves, Clippers. Whichever one you want to start out with, please, by all means. And uh, I'll give you some thoughts on how I think these are going to shake out. I think the Clippers against the Timberwolves is the more fascinating game between the two because I think that could really go either way. The other game, I think there's a clear-cut favorite. Who knows what's going to happen? we got to see it play out. But the Clippers against the Timberwolves is going to be very, very interesting and what the Clippers can do, especially defensively, how they match up with the uh, the T-Wolves, what do they do when it comes to guarding Cat. Uh, the thinking is that they probably put a smaller guy on him and then show him a bunch of different looks throughout the game, whether it's double-teaming when he gets the ball, double-teaming once he starts to make a move, try to keep him on the outside, all these different things that they could try to do. Um, and, you know, use, you know, their their size when it comes to a lot of guys that are between six, six and six, nine. And uh, what exactly the Clippers do there. And here's the thing. You're probably going to have, you're probably going to have, if I were to guess, you're going to have Robert Covington on cat or Batum. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know if Zubats and Hartenstein have the, you know, the, the foot speed to keep up with cat. If he puts it on the deck, which has been doing a lot um, as of late with the wolves. That's going to be a really tough one to figure out. And then you have to think, too, what Anthony Edwards are going to be going to get. Because that that right there is pretty much a a deciding factor in how this team operates um, on the offensive end. And they have a lot of success when Ant is on. And as we saw in the last meaningful game of the season, not the one where he paid 18 minutes uh, in the loss to Chicago. That was the first half and you're out type of situation. But in the game where he played 40 minutes against the Spurs in a six-point win, 49 he dropped on 28 shots. Um, We've seen ebbs and flows from him kind of uh, since the All-Star break. But if you get that ant, if you get the ant that's efficient, sharing the basketball, getting some some rebounds, then you're going to be in a good position. Are we going to get that ant because this is ant's first playoff game? Let's not forget and the other guy, too, I look at a lot is D'Angelo Williams from a standpoint that do we get the guy that's a really good pick-and-roll point guard and he's not turned the ball over and he's not trying to do too much, and we've seen a lot of that in the second half of the season. 
So are we going to get that guy or is there going to be some pressing from some of these guys? And we'll see, you know, I mean, meanwhile, you've got Paul George, you know, with the Clippers and, you know, kind of a, a been there situation and see if it can come up big in a, in a meaningful game. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I think. And, and by the way, when it comes to the season matchup, the Clippers won three of the four games. However, three of those games took place in early November. Yeah. So you can just like throw those out the window. They don't even matter. And like D'Angelo didn't even play. I think he only played in one of the games this year. So you can't even really look too much into the season matchup between them. What's big here, though, um, for this game? Uh, and again, we're not going to spend too much time on it. We're obviously, Paul George being back and the way that he's played, um, looking like PG how he did before the injury, like it never even happened. Um, just downhill gravity. Uh, the way that he's been able to pull up, the way that he's been able to get to the free throw line, shooting the three, um, you know, getting steals like a madman. Uh, that's all obviously huge. Um, and they have Norm Powell back, who's who's looked great. Um, and, you know, I guess not look great, but like he looked fine. And, you know, the few games that he came back um, after his injury. Uh, but the a, a big uh, sticking point here, I think, for the Clippers as far as um, clutch play goes is that Luke Kennard will not be playing. He's got a hamstring injury. Um, so that could be um, pretty detrimental to them on the three-point line. So you're going to need to get a little bit more out of Reggie Jackson. You're going to need to get, obviously, um, more out of a guy like Marcus Morris. Um, these are obviously very, very important uh, cogs of this team. But uh, we will see what experience uh, has done for a guy like Terrence Mann. You know, um, Amir Coffey even got some, uh, you know, reps this this season. So maybe he's a little bit more uh, ready than some of his other teammates. So we'll see how this one shakes out. I'm excited to watch it, though. And like you said, um, maybe um, the one that we're thinking is going to be a little bit closer um, than the other play-in game on Tuesday, which is uh, the Cavs traveling to Brooklyn to take on the Nets. And no Jared Allen. Uh, he's officially out. It looks like, I mean, he, it sounds like, you know, he went through a practice, didn't have a splint on his finger, but the team just doesn't feel comfortable enough for him to play. So it looks like he is not going to play, you know, Mobley is back, you know, and he's been playing for a little while, but this is a team that's going to rely a lot on him and a lot on uh, Darius Garland. And can that be enough to overcome the nets in Brooklyn and the powers of Kevin Durant, who, who knows what he might do in this game? I mean, he could go off for 50. He could. Uh, and that's clearly uh, priority number one for the Cavs is to get the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands. The problem is, if it goes out of Kevin Durant's hands, it's going into Kyrie Irving's hands. Um, as far as uh, Darius Garland is concerned, yes, Brooklyn's probably going to send two at the ball and make others beat him. I'm looking at an X-Factor game for guys like Isaac Okoro or Lowry Markinen. These are the guys that are going to have to step up in the scoring department. It's going to be huge. Um, I, I think the Cavs were at their best, um, of course, without uh, when they've been without their their key centerpiece, like you said, uh, Jared Allen hasn't been in. I think they've been at their best um, against this team in particular when they throw Lamar Stevens on Kevin Durant. As as awkward as that sounds, I think you're going to see a lot of that this game. I How much do you gonna, think they can play Karis LeVert considering his struggles? Um, offensively, they're going to need him to turn it up. He's going to see a lot more looks. Like I said, um, you know, the others are 
going to have to step up with DG getting double teamed and um, getting trapped on on you know doubles and uh, coming off the screens. They're gonna they're gonna blitz him. I, I'm I have a very you know sneaking suspicion that they're gonna do that. Um, and the Nets haven't been half bad defensively actually um, against the Cavs. Um, you, you've seen a lot of big time efforts out of guys like Bruce Brown on both ends. He's been huge for them on the offensive glass against the Cavs this season. Uh, you're seeing Cleveland give up a lot of offensive rebounds in general, honestly. Um, so you're probably going to see you know Andre Drummond collect about 12 to 15 if they can't keep him off the glass. Um, somebody that actually didn't play against the Cavs very well in the last time they met, and it was a big game because this was pretty much to decide who was going to be the 7 and who was going to be the 8, was Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving had a a decent first half, but he hasn't been all that great as of late. Uh, and particularly against the Cavs, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, stellar. Um, he bounced back obviously in the last game of the season, Pacers put up 35 and was, you know, absolutely Kyrie Irving, Kyrie, Dick, Kyrie Diculous, whatever you want to call but it. But he's had a few days off and that's the way it's been here since he's come yes. back is when he has a couple ga- days off between games that's when he plays better. Yeah, yes. And I would fully expect him to show up come playoff time. So that that's not, you know, in the question. So that's why I was saying I I would think that he would have a, a solid solid like bounce back game. Yeah. Um against the Cavs. Um So but, are we both thinking the Nets win that game tonight? As much as I'm talking the Nets up, I actually kind of have a feeling the Cavs are going to win. Really? I kind of have a feeling. Um, I, I look at it like this. Um, the Nets won the season series 3-1. to one. Uh, Darius Garland has been trying to speak this into existence forever. Uh, but he's a really confident cat. I think he's going to find a way to beat that defense. The way you beat the Nets is that you go inside. They don't have a rim protector. It just doesn't exist there. So if you attack them in the inside, you draw fouls, and then you're able to spray out. If you get even remotely close to a league average performance from three, I think you can knock them off. I really do. The Nets obviously have had their troubles on defense, and I know some people are like, well, now it's time they tighten it up, and I mean, (laughs) easier said than done. So I really wonder if Cleveland tries to make this into a shootout, into a track meet. Well, I know, their defense I know. has been suffering for a while with Allen out, and obviously Evan Mobley was out for that good handful of games. I mean, that that's dangerous to do against you know the two offensive weapons that the Nets have, but that might be their best route. Yeah, I would say so. And, I mean, you don't want to really get into a shot. The problem is because if you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the other side, uh, and mind you, we're not even – Mentioning the X factor of this team, which is which is uh, Seth Curry, um, who the reason I said Steph is because he basically is mirroring Steph sometimes when he gets that hot hand. You also have Goran Dragic coming off the bench. They're deeper. They really are. Defensively, they are beatable. That's the thing. Seth isn't a hundred percent yet, but he's what 90 percent. I think they've said. So yeah, I mean, he's got he's, an ankle injury he's dealing with. Yeah, he's out there. He's playing so. You always have to be leery of him. And, and, you know, the other guy that I wonder, can he finally bounce back to what's been a really bad second half is Patty Mills. Sure. Sure. And this is the time of year that he usually shows up. Right. So. 
I know in the other matchup we talked about, though, I know you feel confident in the Timberwolves. That's your that's your team. That that is my team. But the problem is, oh man, when Paul George came back into the mix, I didn't feel good about it. But here's (laughs) here's the thing. Uh, I'll I'll give you my two picks. And again, this is this is part of our conversation is going to last for about all of three or four hours when this podcast comes out. But I will take Cleveland in Brooklyn, and I'll take Minnesota against the Clippers. Funny, I was going to take the exact opposite. I was going to take the Nets and the Clippers. All right. Uh, The next two play-in games that we have to talk about, and this one will last a little bit longer. Uh, We have the Hawks hosting the Hornets and the Pels hosting the Spurs. Uh, Whatever one you want to talk about first, uh, let's kick that off. I I think the Hawks and Hornets is uh, a much more interesting matchup. And, you know, for the Hawks, We've been waiting for them to turn it on all year. They played better in the second half. They played a little bit better lately. Still yes. haven't totally seen them turn it on, but you know now is the time that they got to do it, and they have Trey Young. And I mean, people really haven't been paid attention to this. Trey is no. an awesome no. season. He led the league in points and assists. That's what I'm saying, man. He's had an like, awesome year. Th- remember, I said that last week. I was like, why is no one talking about this guy? Why is he not in, you know? Yeah, I mean, and the Hornets are not going to have Gordon Hayward. You know, he's still out. He's still injured. Um, I just don't think they have enough. You know, when it comes, and I don't think they have enough experience as well. And I just look at the Hawks, and I'm like, they they should be able to win this with with the weapons and the personnel they have. But I also think the same. Yeah, I, they should, but you never know. I mean. Trey goes into a funk, and the Hawks play bad defense like they've done for a lot of the year, and you never know what can happen. But biggest part of the resurgence to me, though, has been Clint Capella. And what do the Hornets not have? A center. Yep. So that's that. That's How right there. How dare is what you I'm say at. that about Montrez Harrell? <laughs> that's the way I'm looking at it, though. <laughs> you know, like, I, and if they, you know, if they do go to Trez more than Plumley, then it is what it is. Um, but yeah, that that fact right there hurts. I think that not having Gordon Hayward's going to kill him. I mean, I know they haven't had him, but this is a team that we know is Jekyll and Hyde on the defensive end. If Trey has it going, they're toast. Don't forget, too, that the Hawks have Bogdanovich and Gallinari who've been playing better. I like the Hornets, don't get me wrong. But the Hawks have better pieces. They have a better roster, and... You know we and the experience and yeah, the hunger do. to get to the next to the next thing to get into the playoffs itself. I would hope so. I mean, they showed Although it last we, year. I, I mean, the thing is, though, if the Hornets end up finishing this way, then they have a whole other conversation to have in the off season because this is like the third time this has happened. Um, they always have a conversation like this in the off season. Yes, uh, I think uh, I'll be excited to see what Miles Bridges does. And his, you know, playing environment. Uh, I think that uh, they also have a chip on their shoulder, though, for last year, of course. Obviously, you remember when they faced Washington in the play-in. Didn't come out to their way. They got off to a very, very slow start, if you remember that game. or, or I mean, uh, a, a very fast start, my bad. Uh, and then blew the, blew the game, is what I was trying to say. Um, but Miles did not particularly play up to par in that game. So I'll be looking at him as an X factor for this team. Um, But 
I, I, I just think the Hawks have too much. I think the Hawks have too much. I like their depth um, a little bit more. And uh, I like their, just the momentum that they're carrying in because of the way they started the first half of the season and then the way they ended the second half of the season. It's almost kind of similar to what they did last year, honestly. And they did improve on their record, which is pretty pretty crazy. Um, but we will see. We'll see how that one checks out. But I'm going to go with Atlanta. Me too. And you know what? It's funny you talk about momentum. When you look at the other matchup, which is the Pelicans against the Spurs coming up on Wednesday night, the Pelicans have some momentum going, and a lot of that's because of C.J. McCollum. And, I mean, he has been a perfect fit since they acquired him at the trade deadline. And he's got something to prove. And, you know, I like the way that they're playing, and I, especially with him doing what he's doing. I mean, I don't think anybody saw the Pelicans coming on. And, yeah, I know they just kind of squeaked their way into the play-in tournament, but I don't, you go back even just, a, you know, a month or two, and I don't think anybody thought they were even going to make it this far. You go back to October and, you know, November, and you look at what their record was, and you're like, this team's playing postseason basketball? What? Like that—that's a huge compliment in of itself. Uh, I'm excited to see this team play. I—I'm really, really uh, looking forward to to seeing Larry Nance Jr. Um, continue to play and and grow chemistry with this squad. He's obviously a huge piece um, coming off that bench. They have a lot of versatility, by the way. If they ever decide to play him and Herbert Jones in the same lineup, good luck, uh, perimeter offensive players, because that's going to be a tough, tough you know, duo to get around if that ever gets to that point. But, you know, they're still playing Jackson. You mentioned Herb Jones. What an X factor he is. Good Lord, man. You're a rookie and and you're picked in the second round and you're in conversation to be on all defense in your first year. Unreal. Huge, man. Huge. But you have, you know, Jonas Valanciunas, who, you know, had a really solid year. Um, I love Jose Alvarado off the bench for those guys. You saw Trey Murphy get some playing time late in the year. I don't know how many, how much playoff time he's going to get, uh, but we're miss, we're not you know we're not even talking about the centerpiece to all this. It's Brandon Ingram, and he was just absolutely tremendous this year, as far as you know his scoring output goes, and you know getting to the line, creating for others. Um, you know you hope that he'll be hundred percent by Wednesday. He was day to day. Uh, and did not play in their finale against Golden State, uh, he is definitely going to be someone that they need to come play. And they need him to be close to 100% as possible. Because you don't want to mess with the Spurs. You don't want to mess with the Spurs right now. They may be 14 games under 500. I get it. But you don't want to match with a pop team in the postseason. You don't want to do it. I do want to see the matchup, though. I want Herb Jones on DeJounte Murray. I knew you were going to say DeJounte. <laughs> it has to. Well, they, they has to, I think. Hopefully DeJounte's okay. He had to go through this random illness, this res- respiratory illness right. he had. Um, luckily, they, he was able to play 31 minutes in their final or their finale. Um, but If he's not 100%, I mean, the Spurs are really going to be behind the eight ball. Right. But well, they're, they're limping into this. They, they've lost three in a row. Um, they had, I think, lost only one game out of their previous eight when they had DeJounte Murray in the lineup. So he's he, he's clearly a huge piece of this. Um, Keldon Johnson, uh, Devin Vassell, these, these are going to be guys that, you know, come back and they have experience from last year in this play-in game. Um, so 
that'll be big for them. You know, Pirtle, he is just one of the most underrated, under-discussed, you know, rim protection commodities in the entire league. Uh, in fact, our own Matt Issa ended up speaking with Pirtle about his all-defense case. You can check, check that out on basketballnews.com. But he's been tremendous. And uh, when he faces top competition, that's when he's at his best. So we'll see how he does not only against, you know, JV, but he'll be deterring the likes of C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram at that rim. And then, and then the X factor, too, I think, for the Spurs, um, you know, taking care of that basketball. But off the bench, I like their bench. It's kind of veteran-laden in a way. You have Josh Richardson, who's looked really, really, probably as good as he has since his days, I would argue, in Miami. Um, he just looks like he's really comfortable there. He is shooting the cover off of the ball around 44% in the 21 games he's been with San Antonio, averaging a little over 11 a game, and really being a huge part um, of this team. So look out for him. Look out for Zach Collins. Zach Collins is looking really, really solid uh, for them spelling uh, Pirtle whenever he needs a, a breather and can reject the best of them and um, is a, you know, a decent shooter in his own right. But he's a really he's one of those guys that, that that's a hustler. And then we'll see if uh, you know, I, I don't know how the rotation's gonna look with, you know, Lonnie Walker is obviously a huge part of things, but I mean Trey Jones, he's been playing a lot in the second half of the season. And the way he takes care of that basketball, you might have to play him. <laughs> you might you might have to continue to play him. Um he is a carbon copy of his older brother in Memphis. It's really tremendous. Those two have the top two t- uh, assist-to-turnover ratio in the league, by the way. So, how funny is that? But uh, in this particular game, I- I'm going to go ahead, I'm going to roll with the home team as well with New Orleans. I just think, you know, they've got a, uh, um, I want to say more of a win-now team, even though they're 10 games under 500. I get that. Uh, but they really turned it on after, really after November ended. They started turning it on and and found a little bit of an identity. And and I like the team. I agree with you. And and tell me if you agree with this sentiment. Like if the Spurs win the game against the Pelicans, I don't like them against either the Clippers or the Timberwolves. No. But if the Pelicans win, I think they've got a chance against either of those teams. Sure. That I mean, Minnesota and. L.A. would be who I would pick in to get it to end up. Yes, the I would East, too. I'm not so sure. I think it could be any two of Brooklyn, Cleveland, or Atlanta. I really do. Yeah, I don't see Charlotte. I mean, Atlanta, I've all, I've said all along, I thought Brooklyn and Atlanta. I mean, but who knows? I, I mean, mean, Atlanta, Brooklyn, if that ends up being the the matchup for the eight, that's a that's a popcorn muncher, dude. That's a good one. Oh, that's... Because they, they just had a classic uh, about a week ago where Kevin Durant dropped 55. I don't know if you remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> but that could be really, really, I mean, we'll see. I mean, that's why, that's why I think there's, there's so much emphasis on trying to win, you know, to get that seventh seed and win immediately and don't let it drag <laughs> out to where now it's like winner gets in, loser goes home kind of a game, um, you know, especially for Brooklyn. Um, and I don't think it will come to that, but hey, weird things happen, you know, when you get into, you know, situations like this. So we'll see, but you know, 
Pelicans, I mean, I wasn't sure how CJ was going to fit there, and he has been everything that they needed. And like I said, he's got a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove, and, uh, you know, they played a lot better, and they've got their go-to guy now, and he's not afraid of the moment. There's another threat on the floor when Brandon Ingram doesn't have the ball. That's Absolutely. As simpler, simple as it is. And then, I mean, eventually you insert Zion into that equation, and you're like, oh, they have a decent core. I don't Imagine know how they high it gets into the, the West, yeah. but they have a decent core. And then you have Devontae Graham, who's going to end up giving you a little bit of a scoring punch, um, you know, usually off the bench, but he's kind of been in and out of the starting lineup, in and out of the starting lineup. Um, but I, I, I like the team. I do. And I think that they have a lot of, a lot of momentum heading into next year, no matter what happens. Yes. Just imagine if they had a point guard like Drew Holiday. Ah, uh, see, so you got to throw shots in like this. <laughs> got to throw shots in New Orleans. I haven't done it in a while. I haven't done it in a while. He has to, he has to throw shots at New Orleans because New Orleans won the trade with the Anthony Davis deal. Did Just they? kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, that's how a lot of people talk, even though they won a championship. That, that championship's pretty much forgotten, I guess, already. I guess. We'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, okay, uh, real quick, once again, I want to remind you guys, looking to go to the hottest concert, sports, theater, and family shows near you, get 100% guaranteed tickets, more than 125,000 live events from TicketSmarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com. Order online now. And speaking of live events, we've got four great matchups to preview for you today. We'll know the other four after Friday night, of course. And well, we'll know all of them after Friday night, I should say. But so we have the Bucks hosting the Bulls and the Sixers hosting the Raptors. And then on the Western Conference side, we have the Warriors hosting the Nuggets and the Mavs hosting the Jazz. Huge one, too, for Dallas, but uh, kind of getting a little bit rained on a parade with Luka Doncic and this calf strain thing going on. So we'll start there. Dallas and uh, Utah out west. I mean, without Luka, the Mavs don't have a chance. And the way that they played in the second half of the season, they're a team that a lot of people are now looking at going, man, they could rain on, you know, Memphis's parade and really be, you know, a, a dark challenge to at least get to the Western Conference Finals. But that depends on Luka. And now he's got this calf strain and – the team is saying there's no timetable for his return. That's and not good. The very last game of the season. What no. the hell? And, he, and, and I don't know. This is pretty crazy, Brian. But do you remember that 16th tech that got rescinded? Yeah. Had it not gotten rescinded, he wouldn't have played in that game. That's a good point. And he would have been able to play in the playoffs, whoever they would have faced with. And obviously they were battling for that third seed. But still. They ended up not getting the third seed, and Luca got hurt. And when you hear calf strain, you're thinking like, okay, that's probably going to be something minor. And then he has an MRI, and you're like, uh-oh. And then the MRI just confirms it's a calf strain. It's nothing more. But when the team says there's no timetable for his return, you're like, well, what are we looking at here? I mean, game one between you know the Mavericks and the Jazz is Saturday. So he's got a little bit of time here. But we don't know how bad it's going to be. And even if he can play in that game, is he going to be at 100%? Is he going He's going to be playing. He's just going to be limping around. That's but what I would think. Here, here's what we're going to see. We're going to see, all right, Jalen Brunson, time to step up. All right, Spencer Dinwiddie, time to step up. That's about as simple as you can get, right? That's Reggie what Bullock, you're you better be do. hitting all your threes. This is, this is how it's got to go because 
honestly, I know that there's been a lot of, and I've been flopping on them all season long. I get it. But I feel like the Jazz have responded to the outside noise really well. Once Quinn Snyder came out and had that little press conference to dispel all the bad talk about Rudy and Donovan Mitchell, they ended the season winning four out of six. And they played some pretty decent teams in the, in the process. They dropped one at Golden State by four. They dropped one to the Suns by six. But they also beat the Red Hot Grizzlies. So, like, they were playing good games. And they played well at L.A. before they blew that lead, you know. They, ha- they had a really, really long East Coast road trip right before the close of their season. So, maybe I shouldn't have been as doom and gloom as I was. And I think that a lot of their success has to do with Bojan Bogdanovic. I know everybody looked to Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But offensively, I think Bojan Bogdanovic is someone that's kind of stirs the drink a little bit, right? Uh, I think that he's somebody who's really consistent in what he brings to the table. You obviously have Donovan Mitchell, who is one of those killers. You have potentially the defensive player of the year, again, in uh, Rudy Gobert. Mike Conley. He's been to this stage. So I kind of, I honestly kind of like them even going against Luka. And the crazy thing is, this will be Luka's first opponent that's not the Clippers in the postseason. Yeah. You know what's weird, too, is that like so many people, like yourself and, and me, we've been down on the Jazz the second half of the season. But over the last couple of weeks, even before we knew anything about Luka getting hurt, I've heard more and more people saying, you know, don't sleep on the Jazz. It's kind of weird how people have kind of come around on them. And maybe, hey, in the last couple of years, especially last year, there were big expectations coming off the regular season they had. And obviously they have not met that. So maybe now that they're a little bit under the radar, maybe they can put it together. I mean, they've got the pieces, you would think, especially when it comes to, you know, the two main guys and Mitchell and Gobert. It's just what can they do around that and can they be a little bit more consistent? And that's the other thing, too. Like, did you see Spida, like, quell those concerns, too? Like, yeah, even though he was frustrated in the moment of the Clippers game, and then I think they blew another lead later that week or something, he goes, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right, which probably has to be reassuring to anybody in Salt Lake City. But I think to have this focus on these playoffs, you know you're the fifth seed. You're going to end up probably getting Phoenix in the next round. You have to be focused on this. And I think that they're showing that they're going to be, you know, have focus on this. I think it's also apparent that um, they need the Jordan Clarkson of, of, of last season. I think Hassan Whiteside being that backup five is huge. Uh, I think they've also gotten a lot out of Daniel House Jr., um, who has been in the playoff, uh, you know, arena before. He's played alongside James Harden in these situations uh, when their days at the Rockets, and he's played significant minutes in the postseason. So that's another big piece for them to have. So Utah, Dallas, I don't want to be recency bias here. I just think that I, I just think that uh, if they're a one man show with Luca there, and I don't necessarily think that they are, and maybe this injury makes them play a little bit more you know, together in a way and, and not as Luca heavy reliant. Um, but I'm still going to go with the jazz. I think, I think I'm going to go with the jazz. Um, and we'll do it jazz and, uh, 
Yeah, it's, they still think it'll take seven. I I still lean to the Mavericks because of what Luca can do, but obviously that depends on how healthy he is. I mean, if he's out there playing, but he's dragging a leg, then you know I don't like their chances. But if he can be even close to 100%, I still like the Mavericks, you know, and obviously some other guys have to step up, like you said, when it comes to Brunson and Dinwiddie. But, you know, we... we DFS, seen some, my guy. Yeah, I was going to say, he is he has been so good in the second half that, you know, I I still like them. I mean, they're missing, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., obviously, but even without him, they've been able to play so well here in the second half. And with the Jazz... I'm kind of at that point where I see where you have the guys for the most part, but like you've got to do it before I can believe in you. And I just kind of, I I need to see it before I can really get behind them. It's a good point. Sticking to the West warriors hosting the nuggets. Who? So are we getting stuff back in game one? You have to be right. I would think so. I mean, he's been out for, shoot, how long has he been out? I feel like I haven't seen Steph play. It's been a while. Let's see. Let's look that puppy up. He hasn't played since March 16th. It's been a month. It's been a month. It's been a month. He's got to be healthy. But here's the thing. Even if he does play, is he 100% healthy? And remember, he was was struggling, you know, before he got hurt. Uh, And this team. I'm erasing all that at the door. (laughs) I'm erasing all that at the door at Steph Curry. That would be nice. I mean, hey, this is a team that they have not played full strength. I mean, they're with all their guys all year. Like, somebody's always They're coming in a blazing, though. They are. They're coming in a blazing. They they followed a four-game losing streak with a five-game losing streak coming into the postseason. I mean, to me, it's how healthy is Steph? Does Poole keep playing as great as he has played? And can you get something pretty good out of Kaminga? Because he's the see, next factor. I'm I'm curious to see this now because Clay has ever since we started. You know, we didn't call him out, but ever since we started talking about, oh, is Clay going to be Clay? He's been Clay. <laughs> you know, like his last eleven games, he's averaging twenty seven, uh, shooting the hell out of the ball on twelve attempts a game from deep. He's shooting forty two percent, forty six percent from the field. That's the clay we know. To me, when it comes to clay, it's not only that stat like that, but how well is he moving on defense? Sure. When he first came back, you could tell he wasn't there. But as the season has gone on, we're starting to see more of the, the clay that we're used to seeing on that end of the court. I don't think he's there yet, but he's getting there. Counterpoint. Who does he have to worry about guarding on Denver that's not named Nicole Jokic? He doesn't have to worry about anybody. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, in this first-round matchup particularly, I don't know who he's got to really worry about chasing around. Who's he going to guard? Bones Highland? I mean, but Bones comes off the bench. Right. I don't know. Aaron Gordon? Like, I, mm, Yeah, I could see I, that. I, I love Monte Morris. I think he's a tremendous player, and he's really smart and savvy with the basketball. I don't know. Do they try to utilize Bryn Forbes as a shooter? Like they're they're really banged up, man. They're really banged up. Nikola Jokic. I don't think he can. I don't think they can win four out of seven against <laughs> against the Warriors. I don't. Even with no Steph. Even with no Steph. Really, even with no Steph. 
Because hmm. I, I, obviously they have a better chance without Steph, but I mean, even, if Steph is even close to 100%, I think the, the way Warriors that they do can just it, track meet them and, and run them off. The way that they need to do it is obviously Bones and Boogie off the bench. That's when they're at their best, I think. Is Boogie going to play a lot in the postseason, do you think? I think he should. I don't think you abandon what your strategy was during the, the regular season. Him and Bones have a really nice partnership going together. Obviously, I know that the, the Warriors don't have, you know, the the bigs or whatever, you know, they have Kavon Looney that they're going to play at that position. Sometimes they play Belly, um, you know, at that five. Draymond's going to command that five position, so maybe they go smaller. They would probably go with Jermichael Green or maybe even Jeff Green at center. But I think that you do have to find time for him. I really do. I want to see it. Well, I, I agree with you, but... We'll see if uh, Coach Malone wants to I will say to this. Hasn't out. Jokic given the Warriors fits? He has, and he past. should because they don't have anybody that can match up against him. I mean, you know, I, obviously they're going to put Draymond It's going to come down to the guys like Aaron Gordon and Barton. Like, oh, absolutely. You know, that's it, the it, thing. Like, it's that's who it's going to come down to. Yeah, like since some of these guys hit big shots. And how well is are the Warriors shooting from three-point range? Like, if they start putting on, like, a shooting display, then – you know, it's it's all over. Yeah, that that's where my concern lies. A- again, a team that's kind of being put on their back. So, like, Dallas and Denver have a very similar... I, I would trust Dallas's roster over Denver's at the moment. Me too. But they they have a very similar predicament they're dealing with here. They are very, very reliant on one player. Whereas the other two teams, they can make things go... If that person isn't having a good night. Yeah. The thing for the Warriors is at the beginning of the season, we wondered how good can this team be, especially once they get Clay back, and can they really contend for a title? And at the beginning of the season, without Clay, we saw what we thought was like the old Golden State. And then teams slowed down a little bit, some injuries caught up with them, they get Clay back. Now we have to see can they really turn it on and be a championship quality team. That can beat Phoenix and or Memphis in a seven-game series. That's if they get to the second round. Let's be careful here. Yes. But uh, we won't know those matchups, like I said before, until Friday. So let's shift our focus to the East on those two matchups that we know about. We've got Philly, Toronto, and Boston, Chicago. Let's start Philly, Toronto. Please this do. Might be the, this might be the series of the, of the first round. This one has history behind it, as we know about bounce, bounce, bounce in from Kawhi Leonard in 2019. But we said that nobody wants to see Toronto right now because of how confident they're playing. Philly's one of those teams that I feel like is still figuring it out, particularly James Harden. While, you know, Joel Embiid's running roughshod over everybody. This is a nightmare they have situation a backup center. for Philly. They have a backup center issue Philly's dealing with right now. Everybody's clamoring for Paul Reed, but Doc Rivers insists on playing DJ. Whereas the, the Raptors do not have that issue. The Raptors just have a roster full of guys who are over 6'6". <laughs> That's what their roster is. Excuse me, not 6'6". Let's say 6'9". Yeah. Like they just have a bunch of tall, long, rangy guys. 
this is not what Philly wanted to see in the first round by any stretch of the imagination because you've got a team now that, you know, just plays hard, just goes out there and they play as hard for 48 minutes as any team in the NBA. They're, you know, they've got some young pieces, especially Scotty Barnes, who, you know, you try to tell them like, oh, I don't know if you guys should be here or are you going to be enamored or, or kind of be wide-eyed going into the playoffs. It's your first time. I don't think it matters to some of these guys. And you've got a great coach in Nick Nurse. And, and like you have said, still some championship pieces left over. Yes, you do. And OG, you got Pascal. You've got Fred but, Van Vliet. They've all been to the dance. And Philly has got some problems, like you said, because they can't play Thibel in Toronto. Okay, so that's potentially three games where you don't have your best perimeter defender. And James Harden is not the James Harden we're used to seeing. He is banged up or slow or something. He is not shooting the ball well. He is not getting to the free throw line. He is not getting in the paint. I mean, this team is all on the back of Joel Embiid. And, I mean, he has played magnificent basketball throughout the season. That being said, and while Toronto, mind you, probably nobody, but especially Toronto, does not have anybody can really match up against him one-on-one. But... I look at this and I I think Philly's in for a really, really hard series and I think they're in trouble. It's a Danny Green series. I'm I'm putting that down on right now. It's a Danny Green series. Because you look at the thigh bowl thing, right? You look at what Danny's done in the past as far as it comes to the postseason. And I know he's had his ebbs and flows, his ups and downs. I get it. But this is a season where you rely on your veteran. I think that this is the perfect opportunity for him to come out, shoot the hell out of the ball, defend uh, to the best of his ability. I know that he's not quite as athletic as he has been in the past, but I think this is a series for him. I do think you this trust, is a perfect series for him. Do you trust James Harden to turn on? I trust him to find his shooters and to get to the free throw line. I, I just don't. I don't. I mean, this is a t- team that really needs Seth Curry right now. Well, they have Danny Green. They have Danny Green. They do have Danny Green. Uh, you're going to have to rely on, you know, Shake Milton. Maybe you're going to get, uh, you know, Paul Millsap in there uh, for a certain amount of time just hey, with his experience. Maybe in I, I just off. don't know who they're going to match. Who are they going to match up with, you know, guys like Boucher? And someone that's thick, built like Thaddeus Young, who has been just absolutely a revelation for Toronto since they got him. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I look at this, and Embiid is obviously the best player in this series. And he might go for 40. Hell, he might go for 50 each game. I don't know. Philly fans are going to kill us, by the way. Yes, Tyrese Maxey is probably going to have a solid series. I'm not, yes. I'm not saying that at all. But uh, I, and he was huge for them against Philly last year. At the beginning the of the year, year, I mean, at the beginning of the year, I said I thought the Raptors were going to have a really good season. It looked kind of tough early on, but you know, I, I was that was a good prediction by me. And now I look at the way they're playing, and I look at the structure of that team, and I don't really think it's a crazy statement to say, but I, I think the Raptors are going to upset the Sixers here in the first round. 
Whew. How many games? We didn't say how many games. By the way, uh, when, when we said earlier, sorry, I forgot this. Um, the, just to go back real quick, not to interrupt, but um, I said Utah in seven against Dallas. I will go Warriors in five against Denver. I, I'll go Mavericks in seven against the Jazz and Warriors in five as well. In this one, I think the Raptors in six. Okay, so they end up winning it back home. Ooh. Yes. Ooh. Oh, man. And no Thibault. And, and, oh, and, and you know Jurassic Park is going to be going nuts. That home crowd is can, it's going to be going crazy. Oh, man. This is tough. Do it, man. There's going to oh, be an upset in the first I gotta round. I got to agree. I got to agree. I'll go Toronto in six myself. It's going to be crazy in Philly. The finger pointing is going to be going wild because they made the Harden trade. Then Mike D'Antoni will be the head coach by yes. July. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, I think Doc will be out, you know, if that happens. You know, oh, we all know God. how coach is the first one to get blamed. Oh, man, here we go. We'll see, though. We'll see. I don't know. I. Uh, yeah. Let me ask you six. this. Does the current GM of the 76ers, did he hire Doc Rivers? Mm, here we go. This is how it always goes I'm, in sports. I'm just pointing Chicken that before out. before the egg. Just pointing that out. That's how it goes. And then let's preview our last playoff series that we can at this time. It's going to be the Bucks hosting the tumbling, tumbling Bulls. It almost fell to the play-in tournament. Defending champs against reeling Bulls. Yes, DeMar DeRozan. Yes, Zach Levine. But Milwaukee... I don't I don't think that there's a chance in hell that the Bulls beat them. One, because the Bulls couldn't beat a team that was in the top three all year. And two, this is a Bucks team that one got their starting center back. They're healthy. They're looking strong. I know that they just lost a laugher to Cleveland the other day, but they, they didn't, didn't play, play anybody. anybody. They didn't yeah. play anybody. This is this is eye of the tiger time for the defending <laughs> champions. And they see the Bulls. Can you can you right? define that? Oh, man, they're focused. They're, it's just time to kill. They're going time for it, kill. man. Have you not watched Rocky Three and what he had to do against Clubber Lang? Eye of the Tiger, man. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just Rising their time. Up. To Damn right. <laughs> but it, it, is, it is just their time. And, you know, they've, they've showed it in spurts throughout the season. We've said this time and time again. And now the playoffs are here, and this is the time that you really feel like they're going to dial it up. They're healthy. You've got um, the same core back. The only person yep. you don't have is P.J. Tucker. Yeah, yep. So You have the same exact core. You, add, you, you have Grayson Allen instead, but you still have Bobby Portis around, who was your hometown hero. Drew Holiday, for some reason, became like Mr. Fourth Quarter. Uh, Chris Middleton, we know the, the, the ability he has off the dribble, shooting those mid-range pull-ups, and the defense that comes along with it, with Drew Holiday and with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Size, depth, you have Pat Connaughton. You can turn to Wes Matthews for some shifts. Javon Carter's been playing a lot. We'll see how much playing time he gets next to, you know, versus George Hill, of course. But you even have the opportunity... If there's a matchup you don't like that you want to throw Serge Ibaka on somebody, you've got a lot of options if you're Mike Budenholzer, and that's a good thing. And I think the Bulls are in a lot of trouble for the way that they played, you know, down the stretch of the season, and their defense finally cut up to them. I know that they've been without Lonzo Ball a lot, you know, pretty much all year, 
and Alex Caruso missed half the year. I get it. But, I mean, it's hard to catch up to your to your defense like this. They're running into the giant, and it's not going to be good, I think, for Chicago. I, th- I think the Bucks. this could be a sweep, like maybe five. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go beyond five, though. Whew. Didn't. You know. I'll, I'll say sweep. I think the Bucks. Gentlemen really sweep. Gentlemen sweep. I will go with. I'll go with the Bucks in a gentleman sweep. I just think Demar won't let that happen. But you know, I, I'll say this on the Bulls' end. I know Demar just by his playoff history has to be tired and tired of not getting to the apex. So we might see some superhuman type stuff out of Demar Derozan. Um, but you know, elsewhere they're gonna have to get. They need to get a lot more out of Vucevic. They need first half Vucevic back. Uh, yeah. He just had not been up to par in the second half of the season. Just nowhere near his usual self, crashing in the glass, um, face-ups, whatnot. He just needs to be more aggressive. Um, you know, Levine's been just an absolute joy to watch this year. Um, and uh, I think we'll get some solid playoff you know, performances off of him. And, I mean... He's seen Drew Holiday before, just not in this in this uh, environment. So we'll we'll see how they do. I mean, I, I, you know, you look down the roster. Are you gonna get playoff performances out of guys like you know, like rookie like Io Desonmu, um, a recently returned Patrick Williams? Uh, are they gonna have enough of a groove? Are they gonna be able to find a rhythm? These are important questions, and I think. Um, Against the defending champs, it's just too tough of an ask. And that's partially their own fault. They shouldn't have fell all the way to six. They screwed themselves. Yeah, and that's what happens with injuries and just like their defense hadn't been the same in the second half. And um, now they find themselves in a position where they got to face the defending champs in the first round. It could have easily been different, but on the last game of the regular season, the Bucks said, you know what? Let's just put everybody on ice and we'll take that three seed. <laughs> All right, so those are your four matchups. I can count again. I promise I got it right this time. And then we uh, we already went to the uh, play-in tournament matchups. So we'll leave it there until we know the next matchups. But the, uh, the top four seeds in the NBA period, in the East we have one and two, which is Miami and Boston. And then we have Phoenix and Memphis in the West. So we will be awaiting their competition. Um, but until then... We got to get to our favorite part of everybody uh, in this podcast. We know how it goes, how we close these podcasts that keep it at 94. We should pretty, pretty much name uh, a segment for uh, the defunction of the Lakers. I, there, there needs to be like a some sort of a, a jingle or a, uh, you know, an intro, maybe Brian singing or something like that. And it's just put on repeat until we get into the segment i mean the song but, uh, i love la this week in lakers this week yeah. in lakers dysfunction <laughs> yeah that's that's exactly what it is what a week it was what a day i i came home yesterday i came home on monday like around noon and i turned on espn and i saw lebron giving his exit interview and then they were having like different people talk after that and i literally turned to my wife i go it's shit on lakers day that's exactly what it was everybody, <laughs> everybody. i just celebrate <laughs> how'd you celebrate a, Brian just, just crack a cold one you know we sit there and watch everybody just crap on one another it's fantastic and watch everybody just make fun of the team and and hey that team deserves it for the way that they have handled themselves um 
not you know going back to the beginning of the season and put that roster together and then topping it off by the horrible mistreatment of Frank Vogel. Um, not exactly a classy organization, shall we say. It's just not right. You know, it, and it goes down to leaking this information of uh, relieving Vogel of his duties like literally a minute after the Lakers' last game. I think it was a well, minute. Well, how about like you have this it? game. They win the final game of the regular season in overtime. Austin Reeves has this incredible triple-double. Malik Monk goes off for 41. I mean, it's a lost season, but Vogel has something kind of positive to talk about, you know, and how hard those guys play in the last game. And the report came out and says, hey, Frank, uh, so this report came out that uh, you're gone. Like, have they told you anything? And Frank Vogel just sat there and said, they haven't told me shit. And that was incredible. And he's like, I just want to enjoy this game and tomorrow will be tomorrow. And he couldn't even do that because he handled that extremely well. He he's handled everything extremely well. And the Lakers, for whatever reason, cannot handle themselves without having drama. Frank Vogel is like the most non-drama guy. He ended up being the perfect fit for this team when he was not their first choice, not their second choice but their third choice, and even then, they hired Jason Kidd to be an assistant, not because Frank wanted him, but because the team wanted him, and he was seen as, oh, if Frank doesn't work out, we'll just you know kick him out immediately and, and put Kidd in that spot. And all he did was, in his first year as coach, he won the championship. Second year in a short turnaround, and with injuries, they got into the playoffs. He threw the play-in tournament. They had the Suns, who ended up being uh, the team from the West that made the finals, had them down 2-1 to one before AD got injured again. And then at that point, they thought, Frank's not the right coach for us. They gave him away a one-year extension because he was going into the final year of his deal. It was a vote of no confidence. They had no confidence behind him this entire season, even though they gave him a roster that does not fit his strengths. He wants a defensive-minded unit. He did not get that. And yet, as we all knew what happened, he ended up being the scapegoat for this team. It's incredible and, how quickly like, things can just disintegrate. It's, it's wild to me. And make no mistake about it, too. I know a lot of people like to point the finger at LeBron for the quote-unquote drama. But the Lakers were dramatic before this. So like they're always dramatic. You There's can't always you can't drama. really pin it on LeBron. No, you know it's 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 a weird. I mean, there was so much drama during the Kobe and Shaq era. Um, there, there, there's always drama around. There was drama it. when there was D'Angelo Russell and Jordan Clarkson and yes, because the God, drama the was, was that they're the glamour franchise of the NBA and they stink and they can't put together a roster and the and the defunct dysfunction you know between ownership and management is drama. Hey, Kuzma, Ball, Ingram. Go back a couple years ago when you had the whole argument on who is actually going to be running the franchise with the ownership being split up in the bus family and the, the whole takedown piece that happened. And then what happened right after that? They got incredibly lucky in that LeBron James said, I want to play in L.A., and he didn't want to play for the Clippers. How and does a championship them? organization like this have so much 
high school clicky drama BS. Like I just don't, I just don't, don't see how it's possible because they the way that they run it. And I know people say mom and pop shop and different things like that. The problem to me is though they do not empower people enough. The people that they hire, they do not put an emphasis on the coaching on the head coach and on their coaching staff. And there's too many people that have been part of the quote unquote Laker family that they do stay loyal to, whether it's Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis, they're friends of Jeannie bus. They've been a part of the organization for a long time. They stay loyal to them, even though I think, and I think a lot of other people think that they should not be in that position. They are loyal to Rob Polinka. He was part of the family because he was Kobe Bryant's agent. And even though he had never been in a position like this, they've given him the power of being the GM and they're staying loyal to him for at least another year. Now, when you are the Lakers, when you are one of the elite franchises we're supposed to be in a league or in any league, mind you, you would think, well, let's do things the right way. Let's go out there and let's hire Somebody that is a professional at this, somebody that can be our president of basketball operations, somebody that we can empower to put together a staff under him and do everything the right way. And that's a trickle down effect, but they have not done that. And this is the mess that you get because they don't do things like that. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. What they did the vocal, it was incredible. Yeah, no, that that's really underhanded. I hate how they handled that. And, And that gets noticed. That gets noticed. I'm not saying it's going to have an effect necessarily. I mean, I saw a report. Noticed. I saw a report yesterday. I don't know who it came from. That Quinn Snyder, who had been considering, uh, you know, jumping over, that he was dissuaded by this. Well, and I can't blame him because here's the thing that I would look at. Okay, and I understand you've got LeBron James has at least one year left. Anthony Davis is under contract. We don't know what's going to happen with Russ. That's a whole other thing, and they have to rebuild the roster. But you add that with the dysfunction, dysfunction behind the scene. I know that there's only 30 jobs in the NBA, but if you're somebody that's already coaching with another team or is an experienced, good head coach, even though you might not be in that position right now, what is the allure going to the Lakers right now? And I know this kind of doesn't have really much to do with like this situation, but Teron Lewis having the last laugh right at the moment. You know, so like, he was somebody Williams. that was disrespected in that process. Monty Williams could have had that, and Monty wasn't as disrespected. He turned it down, but remember, the Lakers didn't want to give anybody a long-term you know, contract. You know, and, and Ty Lue wanted like a five-year deal, and they wouldn't do it. You know, they gave Vogel a three-year deal. And on top of that, you know, I know that Frank has always said the right things, but it's not cool when you have the GM and his special assistant or whatever Kurt Rambis' position is with the team – popping in on film sessions and telling, you know, Vogel who he should play and who he shouldn't play. This is an episode of winning time. Yes. This is (laughs) stupid. And I'm telling you right now, the next coach that comes in there, especially somebody, if they've got experience, that's going to have to be something that they tell them in advance going, you guys can't do this. You have to agree to this right now. I I don't know. I mean, people have said, I want to ask you this. Yeah. Let me ask you this before we get into the other exit interviews. This link to Rajon Rondo, whom, by the way, is preparing for a play-in game with the Cleveland Cavaliers. 
as we are recording this, has been linked to this team as a head coach. Mark Jackson will be on the sideline announcing these games, will also be in consideration for this job. What do you think about those two? Is there anybody that's on your radar as far as you just being a fan of the team? Who do you like? You mentioned those guys. Mark Jackson would be an absolute train wreck. He's not a good head coach. He's been out of it for too long. I think his ways are too would be too antiquated. So I don't think he would be a good fit. Rondo, I don't know. Do you really want to go with a guy that has no experience into this position? Maybe he would work out. I mean, we all know that Rondo is an extremely brilliant uh, basketball mind. But... You know, could he handle everything that goes into this whole situation right off the bat? Maybe, maybe not. I think it would probably be a better situation for somebody with experience, but it doesn't mean that he could not work out. I mean, the other names have been mentioned. You mentioned Quinn Snyder. I think Quinn would be a good fit. Who's He still has multiple years with the Jazz, though, so you'd have to work. Or, or I think he has one year left. But, I mean, the Jazz would have to basically say, I think it's time we just move on and we make a, a change here. And it's not even a firing. It's like... Both sides would agree to a parting of ways. I think Quinn would be a, a good fit, though. Nick Nurse has been mentioned. I don't know how they would get Nick Nurse. He's got multiple years left in his deal with the Raptors, so you would have to give them some kind of draft compensation. If I'm the Raptors, there's no way in hell I'm letting them talk to him unless Nick says, I want to go. And if you're Nick Nurse, I'm like, why would you want to leave this great situation you have in Toronto to go to this mess in L.A.? I wouldn't. Uh, Jawan Howard has been mentioned, of course, because you know he's the head coach at Michigan. He played college ball with Rob Polinka. Um, I I just don't see that one being a fit. Outside of that, I'm not exactly sure who else. I mean, Steve Clifford has been mentioned as well. That to me is kind of the Frank Vogel thing, where it's not a sexy name, but it's a good, solid head coach. Would they want to go down that route again? Maybe. Um, I don't think they'd go with Phil Handy, who's on the staff right now. I think sooner or later he's going to get an opportunity to be a head coach in this league. And here's another kind of not totally weird thing, but something that the Lakers are doing. So they fired Frank Vogel, but they've kept on his staff for now hmm. because of going into like the offseason and the draft. Well, you have the like scouting that. and you have right. the, the college stuff. But, it sounds like they want to go down this whole road again where they want to hire a head coach and say, but Oh, Jawan Howard stuff. was another name, by the way. Yeah. I mentioned Jawan. So, yeah. but here's the thing. Like, do you want to go down that route again where a head coach doesn't get to pick a staff? I mean, the signs are already there that they have not learned their lesson. And likely won't, but no. they could stumble into another championship at some point. They could, they could, you know, I mean, Hey, I've said this before. I know some people said like, well, you got to look at trading Anthony Davis. I know that he has not been healthy the last couple of years, but I still look at it and say, if you have LeBron James and you have Anthony Davis and both are healthy, and that's a big if, it's a huge if, you have a chance of winning a title. Yeah. I would not trade Anthony Davis. I don't know what you could get for him at this point. Um, it would still be a lot. Probably not as much as you could have, obviously, a couple of years ago, but it would still be a good haul. But to me, I'm going to ride with that pairing. I'm, I'm not giving that up. I, I just, I'm not there yet. Poignant pointed comments from 
the veteran Russell Westbrook in those exit interviews, by the way. Thoughts and uh, reviewing what he said. Because I had to edit that article. Justin wrote something up for us yesterday. And uh, they were, I mean, it was pretty, you know what I'm saying. Like <laughs> It was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous in that you're thinking, okay, now Russ can come out and try to say some of the right things and, you know, take his fair share of the blame. It's not all on him, but obviously he did not work out this year. And instead, Russ threw gas on the fire and blamed everybody but himself. Everybody but himself. And he went out of his way to once again go after Vogel. And when he's sitting here talking about like, oh, they they never went out of their way to to make me fit in, and I don't know what Vogel had against me. I've always gotten along with my coaches and everything. I mean, Frank Vogel was the one guy that was always defending Russ. He's the guy that said, I don't want to bring him off the bench. He's the one guy that always tried to, like, empower Russ and said good things about him in the uh, post-game press conferences. So I don't know where Russ is getting that. He's making that one up. And he was talking about, like, all these stories that had – "Quote unquote sources," and then when he was asked, preconceived notions, Brian. Yes, when he was asked, like, "Well, give me a particular one," he goes, "I can't give you a particular one, but you guys know what I'm talking about." I'm like, "No, I need particulars, man. Like, what is going on here? I mean, hey, go back to when this whole thing went down in the off season, and they made the trade. There was all the talk that he met with LeBron, he met with Anthony Davis, and everybody said, "Let's make sacrifices for the better of the team. Let's make this work." And he agrees. And then he comes into camp. And he's already not adjusting. He's already not making sacrifices. He's already clashing with the coaching staff. And the coaches knew, even before they played one game in the regular season, this is not going to work and this is going to be a mess. That's all the signs show right now. And, and Russ is talking about, like, everywhere I've gone, I've always made sacrifices. I'm like, no, you have not. You've played your way. When he's sitting there talking about, like, well, in past years, you know, I've always averaged a triple-double, and I couldn't do that this year because of the, the way that they played me. So to me, that you know, that's not playing to my strengths. You're talking about stats over wins. You're talking about stats over wins. I'm like, he's throwing everybody under the bus but himself. And I know he, he threw in there at one point, like, I know I didn't have that, you know, a really good season. Yeah, you didn't. But you can't just blame everybody else. It was really sad to see him do that and, and quite pathetic. I thought for him to, to go out the way that he did in this 21 minute, you know, exit interview and just putting down everybody else. Um, it, it, it was really, really ridiculous. And, you know, he's, he's got the player option for next year. It's $47 million. We assume he's going to exercise it. You know, he's trying to play a little coy about that. And, you know, now he's got to kind of talk like, how can he fit with AD and LeBron next year? And he's trying to say like, well, if we're healthy, if we can, you know, the coaches play us in a different way and blah, blah, blah. But this is the same guy who was asked about at some point in his exit interview about how LeBron and Anthony Davis during the season kept saying over and over, we want to let Russ be Russ. And then Russ comes out in this, exit interview and says, yeah, that wasn't true though. So he's even putting those guys down. Like, what are we doing here? 
you're doing your best Taylor Twelman here. I just love it. I'm just letting you roll. I, I'm I'm just you always see I'm grinning ear to ear right now because it's I just crazy. It's it's, just it's, like, it's he's making the situation even worse for himself. And mind you, we already know like you know how stubborn he can be on the court. We know his game is not what it once was. We know all these different things. We know how much money he's going to make, and we already knew it was going to be tough for the Lakers to trade him this offseason. But some people have even said, well, maybe maybe they're going to be forced to run it back. Well, off that exit interview yesterday, there's no way they can bring him back under any circumstances. Speaking of offseason decisions, though, LeBron touched on that a little bit, and he <laughs> he had his own personal exit interview because <laughs> he started off at, at 9 a.m. Pacific time. He started everybody four else hours started. before everybody else. <laughs> this was hilarious. <laughs> I was like, okay, so is the king just going to rattle off a bunch of his grievances to the rest of the world right now? Like... He had that kind of pad- padding to what he was about to say. Yeah, and LeBron, one of the big things that came out of LeBron was saying, like, yeah, you know, I give them my opinions when asked about putting together the roster, but, hey, they're the ones that make the decisions, and he went out of his way to say that for this coming year. He's just like, I don't want to be blamed for any roster moves that happen coming up. That's on them. He goes, I'm done with that. Now, he will still recruit free agents. He will still give an opinion, but he wants it to be clear. Like you guys make the decision though. I'm done with that. <laughs> or at least wants you to believe he's done with that. Okay. Cause he doesn't want to take the blame. And it's funny because like, so Rob Blinka came out and did his last and he first he had to try to spin the whole handling of Frank Vogel. I love how we tried to say like, well, that report that came out the night before that was ups- unsubstantiated. I'm like, what are you talking about, dude? I'm like, you guys knew and you leaked it, whether it was you or Rambus or whoever, but one of you two leaked it, okay? Even though we basically knew it was going to happen anyway, but that was so lowbrow. But regardless, you know, he went out of his way to say, I'm the one that's the final buck. I'm the one that when we make personal decisions, I'm the one that makes that decision. I will speak with other people. I'll get the opinions of LeBron and AD and... I'm going to talk more with Kurt Rambis and, you know, with uh, Joey and Jess Buss, who have actually been, you know, good in their roles as scouts for the team. Um, and he, he's making it sound like he wants to rely on them a little bit more and whatnot. But when it comes to the final decision on roster moves, that he will be the guy. So, okay, there's a little bit of accountability. Let, let's see what happens now. Oh, man, I just... It, what a hot mess. Just just a, hotter than hot. Can we name so so are we naming the podcast uh shit on the Lakers Day? Happy shit on the Lakers Day. <laughs> That's what it was, man. I mean, every time they did like when they had LeBron, they were like, All right, we're watching the LeBron James exit interview. Let's go over to name analyst here. It was uh it was mostly uh Legler. And he would just okay. you know, just put down a team for two minutes. Let's go back to LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> reaming, reaming and then them. they come back and they're like okay what do you think about this legs <laughs> <laughs> it was incredible i'm like watching this thing man just going what a mess just, oh my lord what a mess that is it, just I mean, pretty much summation of where the purple and gold is here's the thing is too though like you get what you deserve because we all know that the lakers and their fans please don't put me in this believe in laker exceptionalism and when the things are going well for the Lakers, man, they let everybody know about it. 
So when things don't go well for the Lakers, man, everybody's going to jump on that. Everybody's going to jump on it. I mean, they are the Patrick Beverly of organizations. When things are going well, everybody knows it's going well. When they're going bad, man, they're bad. That's a quote right there. That's fire, Brian. Fire. Oh, I like it. It's a perfect place to end. The Patrick Beverly of organizations. Love it. Everybody, make sure you visit basketballnews.com. We are freaking crushing it. Mentioned it earlier, but Jackson Frank, Nikias Duncan, Mark Schindler, all collaborated on their all-NBA teams, picked out their 15 best. You might like it, you might not, but you should read it because it's really thorough and really in-depth. Also got great interviews, film breakdowns, previews for next season, draft content. You can find it all on basketballnews.com. It's also where you can find our podcast network. Got other great ones for you to listen to. Of course, The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The rematch with Aton Thomas. Guys, he just had Patrick Ewing on it. Knicks legend, basketball legend, Hoyas head coach at Georgetown, Patrick Ewing. Talked about everything. Uh, so make sure you go check that out. He even talked about wanting to patch up his relationship with Charles Oakley. Um, so again, make sure that, that you go check that out. It's definitely worth your time. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies, and of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. And then you have us here at Keep It at 94. We just kind of talk. <laughs> we talk. We air our grievances. We make up things uh, on the fly. Happy Festivus! Just, just, just for your entertainment. So just like the rest of the podcast, please leave us a rating, give us a review, subscribe, do all the the great things that you do for the other podcasts for us because we're trying to make this thing blow up. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to them. So make sure you click that button. Cook those books, as my buddy Justin Rowan over it. The Chase Down says. So until next week, just letting you guys know, you can follow us on Twitter at Spin Davies. He's at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He's at It's Brian Fritz. Now I'm ready to go. Until next week when we know all the matchups. And we're going to be into the first round, probably about a game, maybe a two. We will bid you adieu and talk to you later.